Welcome to the Flourish Heights podcast, made for women by women. I'm your host, Valerie Adjamine, women's health dietitian and the founder of Flourish Heights. To be empowered in health starts with a true connection with your body. Together, we are breaking through topics surrounding periods, women's nutrition, body awareness, self-care, and much more. Let's flourish and be the best version of ourselves. Hey girl, hey, and welcome back to another episode. I am still on this high from the Let's Talk Menopause event that I attended in New York City a few days ago because I was surrounded by all of these powerhouse women and advocates, and I got to be in the same room with the top leaders in women's health. That's right. So listeners, you might be wondering why menopause is today's hot topic. And y'all, let's be for real. How much do you really know about this topic? Don't wait till you're going through it to actually care about it. The time is now to get prepared for what's ahead because Babes, we are flourishing at every stage of our lives, okay? Most women go through the early phases of menopause in their early 40s, and for some, it can begin as early as their 30s. Yes, their 30s. Isn't that wild? So what better time than now to talk about it? And if you're already in the menopause phase of your life, maybe in your late 40s, your 50s, and you're listening, please keep listening because there is something you can gain from this conversation. And then you can share this vital information with your loved ones, your friends who have daughters, or maybe your daughters or just those that are in need of this kind of information. Today, I am in conversation with top OBGYN, the leading women's sexual health thought leader and menopause advocate, Dr. Javade. And she is here to give you the lowdown on what women in their 20s, 30s, and 40s should know about menopause. Okay, hang on tight because this is going to be too good. Hey, Dr. Javade, so glad to have you here on the podcast. Thank you so much for being here. I am thrilled to be here. Thank you for having me. So a few months ago, I brought my mom to the podcast for Women's Health Month in May to talk about questions every woman should ask their mom regarding their health and family history. And one of the questions that came up was to ask mom when she started menopause, because the age your mom had an onset was likely the age you would start too. Now I'm really on a mission to get more women to know how to support their bodies now to prepare for menopause, perimenopause, all the things. So I'm really excited for this much needed conversation with a top leader in menopause like yourself. But before we break things down, why don't you tell our fabulous listeners a little bit about yourself? So I am Dr. Somi Javade. I'm a board certified OBGYN and founder of HerMD, which is a women's healthcare center that specializes in uh, gynecology, menopause, and sexual healthcare. Uh, we currently have five locations uh, with a few more on the way. Uh, we are an insurance-based system because so many women need access to this type of care. Our care model was built on three words, education, advocacy, and empowerment. And it's because of, you know, we started talking about moms, but I nearly lost my mother at the age of 45 uh, to undiagnosed cardiovascular disease. And it's not because she wasn't asking or begging for help. She was actually pleading. We were insured. We lived in Cleveland, Ohio, the Mecca of cardiovascular care. But my mother's uh, sin or problem was that she was a minority woman. Mm. And uh you know, they blamed her symptoms on caffeine and her children. And I got the dreaded phone call that you need to come home. And my mom was being rushed into emergent quadruple Mm -hmm. bypass surgery. And uh, I was pre-med at Northwestern at the time. And it was my aha moment that I was going to be an advocate for women. 
Flash forward, medical school residency, got my first job, was ready to change the world. And when you're seeing 50 patients a day, Mm. you don't have time to go to the bathroom, let alone eat or try to be an advocate for someone in a 15 minute visit. Think about that. I have to build rapport, gain your trust, talk to you about very personal things, uh, do an exam and let's like pop in and out of the room. So I give you some semblance of modesty and then don't forget to document it all in the chart and then talk to you about all of your options, discuss all the risk benefits alternatives, and then let's get to your questions. And that is supposed to be done in 15 minutes, question mark. Um, you wonder why there's a four-year delay in this country when you look at men and male and female conditions. And uh, frankly, why um, women often have to go to the doctor eight or nine times before they get a diagnosis. It's because of our very, very broken healthcare system. And you combine that with less than 20% of OBGYNs are trained in menopause or sexual Wow, less than 20%? Less than 20%, but 100%. Yeah, it's crazy, right? Like, where are we supposed to go? And who are we supposed to see? Um, And so that is why um, I founded HerMD. I wanted a place where Women could come for longer appointment times where 100% of the providers were trained in menopause and sexual health care, a place where you could use that insurance that you work so hard for because accessibility was huge to me. Um, and so I opened my first center um, in Cincinnati, Ohio, which people thought I was crazy uh, <laughs> to do it. And then we watched women coming from 35 states and three countries to wow. get care And so then we decided to scale and start opening around the country. And and that's what we did. We raised some money. You know, uh, we have a minority team. There were three minority women who decided to take on the healthcare system. They told us we had less than a half percent chance of fundraising. And to date, we've been able to raise $30 million. So we got a bunch of investors to care about women's sexual health and menopause. This is so beautiful. And it it truly is an honor to speak with you, Dr. Javade. And, you know, our audience is between the ages of 20s, 30s, 40s, you know, going into their, their 50s. And I really just love that you're using your your just what you've gone through and your your passion and and you know for women's health and kind of bringing it to life with her MD. Um, just because I know you mentioned you have several offices throughout the country. So you have one in Ohio. Um, we talked before we started uh, the the session or the recording today, and you have another one in New Jersey. Where are your other um, locations? Are you coming to DC? Because I'm I'm in oh, DC. <laughs> we're gonna be all over the place, friend. That is the the dreamers <laughs> and entrepreneurs goal. Eventually, uh, two hundred um, markets. But wow. right now, we are in Ohio, Kentucky, uh, Indiana, just north of Indianapolis, and okay. in Carmel. Um, and then we are in uh, Nashville, in Franklin, Tennessee, and opening our, our second location there uh, is already uh, under construction. And then we're in New Jersey. Uh, and then eventually future states that are near on the roadmap are going further into the states that we're in. So more locations in New Jersey, more locations in Ohio, and new states will likely be Georgia. Florida and Texas, like for the next round. Love um, it. And, and that's the goal. Yeah. We, we open these centers and it's, it's so humbling, but it's also, uh, to me, it makes me so angry as a woman because I recognize 
how few choices there are out there for women. Our centers open with wait lists of 500 to 1,000 women wow. trying to access gynecologic care. And this is before we even announce to the public who the providers are going to be. Obviously, the wait lists get longer once you know people find out their doctors or their providers right. have jumped ship and joined us. Yeah. Um, so that's fascinating. I think the other problem we have really fixed is you know, by, this is a really scary statistic, but by 2025, we're expected to lose nearly half of our workforce um, in health and healthcare. And it's because of COVID related stress and strain. It's because of frank gender pay gap. Mm. It's lack of mission driven work being burned out. And in eight years, we've only had one provider ever, ever leave her MD. That's unheard of. Yeah. 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 So Yeah, to our to our listeners, I hope you guys have been tagging along on the states that she mentioned. So definitely look up her MD because it is coming to a city near you. So Dr. Jemade, <laughs> we, we are already kind of kicking off this conversation, but we haven't stopped to mention like what is menopause? And and there's perimenopause um versus menopause. What is the difference? Why why aren't people really talking about it? I think there's a lot of stigma, taboo, and shame. I think women don't necessarily want to share, although I think all of that is changing now as celebrities and uh, major publications are talking about it. And I feel like there's a whole revolution coming on and it's going to take all of our voices collectively, providers, media, celebs, and just women in general, like telling each other and being honest and transparent. So menopause, what is the diagnosis? It is 12 consecutive months with absolutely no bleeding. Mm -hmm. Average age in the United States is 51. Um, And there are over 30 symptoms of menopause, really from head to toe, anxiety, depression, hot flashes, vaginal dryness, decreased libido, joint pain, uh, impaired sleep. There are so many facets of your life that can be affected by menopause. What is the difference uh, with perimenopause. So perimenopause can have every symptom of menopause, can precede menopause by 10 years. But the only distinction is in perimenopause, there is not that absence of bleeding. So in perimenopause, there is some type of cycle still going on. It may not be a regular cadence. It may be every three months. It may be every two weeks, but some semblance of bleeding is still going on. Now, the other question that I get is, well, what if I've had a partial hysterectomy or what if I've had an ablation or, you know, how do I know I'm in menopause or what if I I don't want to wait 12 months and I'm going, you know, out of my mind and I want treatment? Well, there is a blood test that we can do and it checks your uh, follicle stimulating hormone or the FSH or quote unquote, the menopause hormone. It's a blood test that is provided by major labs like LabCorp and Quest and covered by insurance. So you don't have to buy these at home kits to check. Um, And if it's elevated and it increases in menopause because it's trying to signal the ovaries to wake up and start producing some hormone, um, if it's elevated on two occasions, we can make that menopause diagnosis in less than a year and we can get people started on treatment of their choice. And so um, that's the difference between menopause and perimenopause. So women in their 30s can definitely start with perimenopause, because remember the average age is 51. That means women are going into menopause in their 40s. And if perimenopause is starting 10 years before, uh, your listeners need to know about menopause and perimenopause so that they're prepared and they can do something about it. 
I'm already stressed. <laughs> no, it's not stressful. There's <laughs> solutions. You oh know what God. people say to me? So many women said if they would have known, it would have been so empowering because yeah. it wouldn't have been so scary. I think the unknown is scary, but when you know and you know what you can expect, and here's the other thing that I should make very clear everyone's journey is very different. So I said, yes, there are over 30 symptoms, but that doesn't mean that you're going to experience one or 30 of them. Your, your menopause journey and your age usually mirrors what the women in your family have done. Usually. Yeah. And, and Dr. Javid, so tell me a little bit about this situation. I heard a story. Um, I read, I think it was probably in the New York times or something. There was this woman in her early thirties who got dismissed by her doctor for certain symptoms that she was experiencing, which you, you mentioned more than 30 s- symptoms or how many? Mm-hmm. Symptoms? Yeah. And I'm like over 30. Yep. Cause I only hear like hot flash, vaginal dryness, like low libido, just the main stuff that people are always right. talking about. But I did not know there was 30 symptoms. So that's crazy. But anyway, she was experiencing um, a few of these symptoms and later finding out it was in fact the onset of perimenopause. So what are some factors yeah. that can lead to early onset menopause and how come some women go through it so so early cuz 30s I'm like some people are you know trying to have their kids around their 30s. So what wh- what are you know what are some factors there? So definitely family history. Okay. Um definitely the earlier you start um, menstruation, the earlier you can go into menopause. And this is the the running joke. This is where I compare women to gumball dispensers, but people don't forget this. So unlike men, we are born with the number of eggs that we are going to produce. So like men continue to produce sperm throughout their lifetime. And so we do not. So we're born with our eggs. And then when we dispense them every month, ovulation, right. Mm-hmm. Um, then we, um, are, are, that's one less egg we have. And so if we start our menstruation early, we traditionally end earlier, right? Just okay. like if we start later, we usually will go later. Um, as I mentioned before, a family history can affect it. Number of pregnancies can affect, you know, you're not ovulating. Um, so women who don't have babies are ovulating that whole time. So they may go through menopause early, medic medications, other medical problems, you know, thyroid disease, um, chronic illness, cancers, obviously surgical menopause. There are a lot of other factors in our life, um, family history, medications that can affect um, the age that we go into um, menopause. And just because um, I, I'm just curious, and I know some of our listeners are probably curious also, what does a hot flash feel like? Oh God, this was the funniest story I ever (laughs) told someone. And maybe you've heard it and that's why you asked me. So here I am, this menopause expert, right? Been practicing for 20 years, preaching, advocacy, and didn't recognize my own three hot flashes. And I will tell you because what they, I was, I was laughing. I was just at a conference teaching other providers and um, they were like, yeah, what they write in the textbooks is nothing, um, what yeah. it feels like. You know, this warm central feeling that may come from the center of your body and extend to your extremities, no. So the first <laughs> time I had a hot flash, I thought I was either having a full-blown panic attack oh or a heart Lord. attack. So I had woken up in the middle of the night and I'm a girl who normally doesn't sweat. I do hot yoga. And my girlfriends are always teasing, like there's something wrong with you. And I'm always cold. And I woke up and I have long hair. My hair was drenched. My heart wow. was beating a hundred miles an hour. 
I kept pacing and I couldn't settle down. And my girls were both away at camp and our girls, you know, go to camp. It's only, it's a new thing, but there was no communication. It's only one way email. And I was like, Oh, I must be really anxious about not, I haven't spoken to the girls in like a couple of weeks. It, it must be it. And so I went back to bed, put the fan on. And then the third time this happened to me, I was like, I am not going to bed anxious. Like I, I know the girls are good. I'm like, oh my God, these are hot flashes. And this is what Oprah described. This is what my really good friend, Tamsin uh, Fadal, who, you know, is on the news and very open about her menopause journey. And she talks about how this happened to her in a studio under hot lights wow. and having to go to the bathroom and lay her face, you know, on the ground, on the cold tile to make oh, it go away. And Oprah thought it was her heart as well. And, and same thing. And can you blame me with my mother's medical history and getting sick at 45? I was like, oh my God, it's my heart, you know, or it's anxiety. And wow. so hot flashes can be very, very mild, just like a warm feeling, or they can be um, the way I described. Now we know a couple of things about hot flashes we're learning through data that they are perceived and felt differently across different um, ethnicities. And uh, severe hot flashes can be predictors of underlying disease. So women who have more severe hot flashes may, I'm, I'm choosing my words carefully, may be at increased risk for cardiovascular disease. And okay. so that is why as providers and as patients and as women, it is so imperative that we don't blow off our symptoms because it may be way more than a hot flash and it may be a way for us to intervene, uh, make healthcare decisions now that will affect our future. So first of all, that's very frightening that she had to literally go to the bathroom and lay her face on a towel. That That is insane. That is insane. And now I'm like, oh my goodness, I hope that my experience is not, it's on the mild side because I can't even imagine having to like find the closest, like coolest thing around me. Oh, I have women who walk into the offices with towels wrapped around oh my their necks or have to travel with fans. And so, I mean, there's a reason 900,000 women left the workforce in the UK uh, menopausal symptoms, you know, like we have lactation rooms, which we absolutely need and women deserve, but we don't have rooms. We don't have cooling rooms. Think about it. So if you're already mm. anxious about a major presentation and then you're sweating from head to toe, mm. or you're having cognitive issues. So women with, um, menopause can have word finding problems. Um, or if you have genital urinary syndrome of menopause and you need to empty your bladder on a very frequent basis, and your offices or workplaces are not set up, and let's say, you know, the bathrooms are far away, we found that women are leaving the workforce in their prime because of untreated, undiagnosed menopause symptoms or unfriendly uh, work environments. And so we really need to be open about all of these symptoms of menopause so we can start offering uh, solutions and safe spaces for women. Speaking of solutions, and first of all, I want to know, like, how long does menopause actually last for? And then regarding solutions, like, you know, I always hear hormone replacement therapy. I've counseled clients um, that have, you know, used hormone replacement therapy, work really well for them. Then I have others that are like, didn't work. I had worse symptoms. I need like non-conventional ways or like, you know, natural ways to help manage uh, menopause symptoms. So talk a little bit about what can be done. 
So there are so many things that can be done. That's that's what I love about menopause treatment options. So the gold standard really is hormone therapy. Um, you know, we really misled women with hormone therapy. There's nothing equivocal that helps not only with all the symptoms, but with bone, with brain and cardiovascular health. Now, that being said, there are FDA approved medications for hot flashes that are non-hormonal, um, Vioza and Brisdell. There are uh, hormonal suppositories that don't get absorbed into the system at nearly the same rate as full-blown um, hormone therapy. So if you're having genitourinary syndrome of menopause, which means painful sex and more frequent vaginal infections and incontinence, you know, you can maybe just get on a vaginal hormone. There are also a lot of over-the-counter products. There are, there's now a cooling mattress topper. There are cooling pajamas. There are cooling sprays. There are great vaginal and vulvar moisturizers because dry skin everywhere is a, a problem with menopause. There are lubricants. There are um, medications. There are two of them that are FDA approved to help with low libido in women that are both non-hormonal. One is called Addy. The other one is called Vilesi, and they work on neurochemistry to increase excitation and increase libido. There are also some digital therapeutics. There is a great app called Rosie started by uh, Dr. Lindsay Harper that are uh, written erotica to help with women and help them with sexual desire and arousal and orgasm. And she did a great study proving its efficacy. And so if patients are like, I don't want, you know, to take a medication, but I do want to do something to help. There's another great app. It's called Dipsy. It is, um, listening or auditory erotica that will help women get in the mood. And then there are devices. I just presented amazing data on radio frequency and microneedling. So the same things that help with collagen and elastin and blood flow in our faces can also be used in our vagina and our pelvic floor, not for vaginal rejuvenation. That makes me so angry, but to help with sexual pain and dryness, um, and we presented our data showing 90 to 95% success rates with sexual pain and incontinence in this patient population. And so there, and then, uh, there was a great study that was just presented last year about vibrators and how vibrators not only help us with our pelvic floor health, um, and we want a healthy pelvic floor because nobody wants to pee or poop or pass gas when they don't want to. And a healthy pelvic floor is also what gives us great orgasms, frankly, um, and yes, the big O. And then we also need to be able to have enough tone in our pelvic floor where sex feels good, but not so much tone that, you know, we have problems with insertion. And so, but the vibrators also help with sexual health across a lot of the domains of sexuality. And so when we talk about sexual health for women, we talk about libido or intent, we talk about arousal, we talk about orgasm and satisfaction and lubrication. So there are a lot of facets to our sexuality. And that was a very long answer. But the reason I say all this is because you cannot imagine the number of patients that come to our offices or come see me on stage and said, I went to eight doctors and everyone said there are zero solutions. And when I mention wow. all of these solutions to them, or they say hormones are the only option. Well, hormones yeah. are the gold standard, but you just heard me describe like nine other options. Yeah. No, thank um, you for doing that. <laughs> yeah. So I think the bottom line is 
a curated personalized plan for you based on your medical history and frankly, your desires and your wishes. Like, what are you willing to take? What are you willing to put in your body and what makes you feel comfortable? That's the bottom line. That's the right answer. No, thank you so much for sharing all of that because I, I it is very true. You know, people just don't know much about all the solutions that are out there. So thank you because I heard quite a few and I hope our listeners are writing this down. <laughs> um, but, you know, just briefly, let's talk about fertility because I know menopause in some ways can affect fertility. And so what are some considerations um, that should be made regarding family planning for women still in their childbearing years? Yeah. So if you know that uh, the women, women in your family have experienced menopause very early and you're not at the point yet where you're either with a long-term partner or you're just not at the point in your career yet where you want to have babies, I do recommend that people start doing some fertility testing to see your you can measure something called your ovarian reserve. You know, remember the gumballs? Like basically it tells you how many gumballs do you have left. Uh, there's a test called AMH, which is a blood draw that you can do. You can see a REI, reproductive endocrinology, endocrinology infertility expert. Um, if your partner has never had, and you're in an opposite sex relationship and your partner has never had children, you know, you can get a semen analysis ahead of time. You can do some of this testing at home. I think it's, uh, oh, Modern Fertility was a company that oh, yeah, started doing this. That. So yeah, so women can get those answers. So you don't necessarily have to go to a doctor. So that way, at least you have data. So you can make an educated decision. But my worst experience is when a patient's like scared and fearful and like, oh my God, I, I have to start having babies now. I want women to have all the data that they can gather. And then there's a really easy test now. We used to take women to the hospital to see if their fallopian tubes are open, you know, uh, particularly if they had infections or a lot of surgery. And now it's a really easy test in the office. It's called FemView. I like to call it the champagne test because we do it under ultrasound, no anesthesia, and we basically just put sterile water and bubbles um, or air into their fallopian tubes. And then that's why I like to call it the champagne test, because if it's good news and the tubes are open, we see bubbles. And so wow. these are all the things that women can do to make sure there's not going to be a sperm problem, that I am ovulating, that I have you know eggs or follicles left, that my fallopian tubes are open. And then with all of that data, which is pretty simple to get and is not thousands and thousands of dollars for a workup, they can then make an educated decision about how long they want to wait before trying on their own, or God forbid, are they going to have to move to, you know, freezing eggs or, or, or moving yeah. to embryos or, you know, uh, or IVF. And so those are all very personal decisions. And then the other thing I would say with healthcare economics figure out if you are going to move in that direction, does your employer, you know, have coverage? More and more companies are working with femtech companies in this space and making infertility, um, you know, benefits more accessible to uh, patients. Ladies, there is hope on your fertility journey. Don't give up. Don't worry. Just see a provider. <laughs> and um, now, the just when it comes to menopause, I mean, I've I'm a dietitian, so I work with, um, you know, clients, and oftentimes, um, the conversation of you know it's really hard for me to lose weight. I'm getting all this weight, and now I'm you know I don't like my body, or they're having like negative body image issues. Some some people at least. So how does menopause impact body image and mental health, and like what strategies can be done to 
help manage emotional changes around this time? Emotional changes around this time. So I think the first thing is knowing that you're not alone. Uh, number two, that there are options for you, whether it's meditation or yoga, or frankly, just a community. There are so many now uh, perimenopause and menopause communities popping up on social media. Talk to your girlfriends. Um, there are treatment options if you need medications, but a lot of patients will opt for counseling before they want to get on a medication. And then hormone therapy, we know if you are a candidate for full-blown hormone therapy, oftentimes will take care of some of the anxiety uh, or, and or depression that may go along um, with what's happening to you in this stage of your, of your life. But there are um, many, many different options depending on what you feel comfortable with. Thank you for sharing that. Okay, so as we wrap up this episode, I just want to know, I mean, what are some quick ways you can advocate for yourself when seeing a doctor? Like, what are some quick questions you can ask? Like some start, you know, conversation starters. So number one, uh, always go in prepared. So if you have 30 symptoms of menopause, the healthcare system's not going to allow the doctor and you to have, or the provider and you to have a great visit. So pick the top two or three that are bothersome to you. So really keep track. No one knows your body better than you know yourself. Number two, find a provider that is either certified or specializes in menopause and or sexual healthcare. Uh, the Menopause Society uh, lists them um, by state, and you can go to their website and check it out. For sexual health, it's called ISHWSH, I-S-S-W-S-H, stands for the International Society for the Study of Women's Sexual Health Care. They also will list all of their providers. So make it worth your while and go to someone who is trained and will know. Number three, do not waste time at a provider's office that um, it's obvious the provider doesn't know what they're talking about. So many yeah. women waste so much time. If the provider's got their hand on the door, like, I don't know, I don't know, take that as a cue because people are like, well, what can I do to change their mind? I'm like, go to someone else. Like, this yeah. is your healthcare journey. Um, and then do your research ahead of time. Like, you know, bring in your problems, but then also say like, I am not open to X, Y, or Z. Like, this is just not going to work for me. Um, because then the provider will not waste time counseling you on that option. And you can go right to uh, target the modalities or the therapies that you are super, super interested in. And so, and don't be afraid to be your own advocate. It's your body. It's your body and you know what's best. And sometimes you got to say thank you next. You know, you got to advocate for yourself. You got to find those second opinions. So do what works best for you. Thank you so much, Dr. Javed, for sharing that. And so what are some key takeaways you want women in their 20s, 30s, and 40s to know about menopause? Uh, that it doesn't have to be scary. So that's yeah. the first thing. Uh, knowledge and data is power. Mm -hmm. uh, your voice matters so much, both to amplify other uh, women's voices, other patients' voices, but to amplify your own. And that um, I have patients who are menopausal that are living the best years of their life right now. They're where they want to be career-wise. They want to be where they are with their kids. They're having incredible sex because they're not worried about pregnancy or children yeah. walking in. <laughs> so this can be like, yes, the next phase of your life, but it can be even more fantastic uh, than the first half. 
Oh, this is so good. Thank you so much, Dr. Javade, for sharing all those key takeaways. Listeners, this is why we brought her to the show because she's just that fabulous. Okay. <laughs> okay. So Dr. Javade, one last question we, we like to ask all of our special guests on the show, and that is, how do you flourish? Oh, God. Okay, girl. I uh, flourish in multiple ways, but I am a world traveler. As you can tell, I have a zest for life. And so what (laughs) fills my bucket is traveling the world with the people I love, uh, my children. I am a foodie, so I love to eat. I am not afraid of food. I love to cook. I love to eat. (laughs) Um, And so that is how I fill my bucket is traveling the world and spending time with those that I genuinely love. Um, and I am, I'm sure you've already picked this up. I am not a girl for small talk. It, <laughs> I, I am there for those authentic, uh, genuine moments. And I love adventure. I still feel like a five-year-old kid. I'm going to be yeah. 50 in two years, girl. And I feel like I'm five. So you don't yes. look a day past 35, 40. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I'll take it. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, Dr. Javed, it was such a pleasure to speak with you today. I'm so honored to have you on the show. Thank you so much for stopping by. We'll definitely put all of her information in the show notes, guys. So definitely keep up. And guys, like I said, she's coming to a location near you, her MD. And what is the Instagram? Well, we're going to put that in the show notes. So no worries. But thank you once again for coming. You are amazing. Thank you. Dr. Javed is literally the menopause expert we all need in our lives. <laughs> but she is a lifesaver. I really appreciated all the gems that she shared. And I hope you did too. So if you enjoyed today's episode, please take a moment to leave a review, a rating, you know, send it to a friend, subscribe, get everybody in on this because it's information that is vital. Thank you once again for listening. I'll catch you in the next episode. And until then, keep flourishing.